Our scripture lesson tells the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth waiting to get pregnant for the birth of John the Baptist. Hear now the word of our Lord. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was a descendant of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and both were getting on in years. Once when Zechariah was serving as a priest before God and his section was on duty, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and to offer incense. Now at the time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. And then There appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine nor strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children. And the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, how will I know this is so? For I am an old man and my wife, well, she's getting on in years. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondered at his delay in the sanctuary. And when he did come out, he could not speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He kept motioning to them. And remained unable to speak. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk to you again. Because a vision softly creeping Left its seeds while I was sleeping And the vision that was planted in my brain Still remains 
sound of silence In restless dreams I walked alone Narrow streets of cobblestone Neath the halo of a street lamp Turned my collar to the cold and damp When my eyes felt by the flash of a neon light That split the night And touched the sound of silence here. Your spirit is within us. Quiet our busy, anxious minds and bodies that we may hear from you this day. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts, may they be pleasing to you, God, for you are our rock. You are our Emmanuel, our Redeemer. Amen. The sound of silence. One of my seminary professors, Don Saliers, said silence can be a refuge. I'm wondering if any of you are feeling that after last week. You're glad that there's a time when maybe those family members or those in-laws, they aren't talking anymore. And you're back home and you like the sounds the way they are. But Professor Saliers also says that silence can be a difficult, ambiguous reality. I know for many of us in here, we wish it would have been noisier last week. Our home wasn't filled with young children or with the sounds of our loved ones. And so silence is difficult for us. Have you been in one of those small group settings and, and, you know, the extroverted people that always have an opinion always answer. And then that one time that they didn't have an answer and it was just awkwardly silent. And then at that moment, the introvert finally gets the chance to speak. So are you comfortable with silence? I'm comfortable with it sometimes. I hadn't really noticed the significance of silence in this story because I had always just focused on the facts. Got a priest, Zechariah. He's married to Elizabeth and they are good people. The scripture makes sure to tell us that they are holy and righteous But they have this problem. Elizabeth is barren and they're getting on in years. It's almost comical the way Luke tells the story. And they've been praying for this child. But this time the spirit wouldn't let me go to those facts. Verse 20. And now, Zechariah, you will be silent. And not able to speak until this day happens. You will be silent. This is the only time this word silence is used in the Advent story. And it's only used here in Zechariah's story in Luke. But that word that's used for silence, it's in the Gospels elsewhere. Remember that story where Jesus is in a boat and he falls asleep on the cushion and then a storm rises up and then, and then they wake him up. They're freaking out. They wake up and Jesus shouts at the storm. Guess what he shouts? Silence. Same word. 
And at the end of the gospel, when Jesus is standing before the high priest, he's getting questioned. You have been saying that you're the king of the Jews. Will you not testify against yourself? And what does Jesus do? Same word, silence. The other times it's used in the gospels, it's translated in our translation as peace. Not peace, shalom. Not peace that is the the peace that passes all understanding. Peace that means you will keep your peace. Those things that you want to say out loud, nope, you will not say them. You will remain silent. Zachariah, all those things you might want to say, nope, no more. You will keep your peace. And so Zechariah, he has to stay at the temple. The scripture makes sure to let us know that he stays there until he finishes his service. It's not like in that moment there was an immaculate conception. The angel tells Zechariah, your wife will conceive, but it hasn't happened yet. He just has to continue working in silence. And then he has to return home in silence. And he can't tell his wife anything. He can't say, oh, last week when I was at work, an angel appeared to me. And oh, yeah, by the way, we're going to have a baby. Imagine how quiet their house was. I bet you Elizabeth liked it. I bet you that during this time when he couldn't talk, he listened really well. He listened in a way where he wasn't listening to think about what he could respond saying because he couldn't respond. As Zachariah and Elizabeth wait in silence, we know they conceived a child in silence. We know that Zachariah's silence had to affect all the people around him. And so for a season, God makes Zechariah wait, but wait in silence. The scripture says that he is going to be silent until God's appointed time. Now, quick word about time in the Greek. There's two words for time. Kronos and kairos. Kronos time is time as we know it. It's time on a clock. It's minutes in an hour, in a day, in a year. You can measure it and put it out on a time line. It is bound by nature. Kronos time is calendars and agendas and planners. And it's measured. It's much like a pregnancy. But Kairos. Kairos is God's time. I've heard it said that that Kairos time is like an ocean and Kronos time is like a river that you can see moving. Kairos time is neither past nor present, no future, but it's all of them at the same time. Kairos time is God's perfect plan. In Chris's story, Kairos time wasn't exactly when Chris wanted it to happen. The word that's used here for Zechariah, the time that he's going to have to wait in silence, it's not Kronos, it's Kairos time. Our culture doesn't know Kairos, does it? We are literally slaves 
to Kronos. A Catholic monk said this way, our uneasiness and our frantic scrambling are caused by our distorted sense of time. It seems to be continuously running out. Western culture reinforces this conception of time as a limited commodity. We are meeting dead lines. Have you ever noticed? Dead lines. We are always short of time. We are always wanting more time. And yet Zechariah has to wait in silence. What would you do if you had to be silent for an unknown period of time? Not like a, you're going to take a couple minutes right now and be silent, but you had no idea when you were allowed to speak again. What if the sound of silence is the first gift of God to all of us this Advent? There's an American soundscape ecologist that I have become fascinated with. You know those apps on your phone that say white noise or the radios that you can buy that have the different nature sounds? A soundscape ecologist created those for us. They, they spent time listening to nature. And so Bernie Krauss is, is one of these soundscape ecologists, and he began doing his work in the 60s. And he says that in order to get one hour of good nature sound, one hour of good nature sound in the 60s, it took him 10 hours. Because he would have to, you know, get rid of the human sounds and the jets flying over. Now, in the 2000s, a 1,000 hours. It takes him a thousand hours to get one hour of uninterrupted nature time. Our world is literally just getting noisier and noisier. Our lives are so full of noise. And how much more difficult is it to hear other people, let alone God, when we are surrounded by the exact opposite of silence? So I'm okay to be quiet for a period of time. And I'm okay to wait, especially when I'm expecting to wait. You go to Costco the, the week before Thanksgiving and you expect you're going to have to wait just to find a parking spot. You expect to wait when you go to the doctor for your annual physical to get your blood test back. You expect it. But I know that all of us have had, and maybe you're in the midst of a waiting time right now, where you want it to be on your chronos. You've been waiting for a scan to come back, to give you the all clear, to determine if you're going to have to do a treatment for the future. And those waiting periods are hard. Or you have been waiting for God just to miraculously put before you what you're supposed to do is your midlife career change. How many of you are in that waiting period? And I know when I'm in that waiting period, do you know what I want to do? I want to fill it with noise. I'll march into Stacy's office, solve my problem for me. I talk to Charlie, solve my problem for me. I fill it with noise. I listen to podcasts trying to solve problems. What if the gift of this waiting period that we find ourselves in during Advent and in our own personal lives, what if we take off the noise-canceling headphones and the earbuds? And what if we just sit in silence? Claire said last week, beautifully in her sermon, how just listening and focusing on our breath 
reminds us of the spirit of God that lives within us. What if this Advent season, over the next three weeks, what if you set your alarm five minutes earlier and just sat there listening to your breath? What if on the way your commute to school or to work, there was no music, there was no podcast, there was no audible playing. It was just you in silence, no agenda, not waiting for a prize from heaven, not waiting for your prayer to be answered right then, but just sitting in silence, waiting for God. Simon and Garfunkel are processing this in their song and they talk about the difficulty of becoming silent. And it's almost as if God says these words, hear my words that I might teach you. Take my arms that I might reach you. The sound of silence. May it be so in my life and in yours. Amen.